Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa. A passion for sport production will be look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we catch up on the start of the new English Premier League season, with plenty of Africans shining on the opening weekend. Among them, the little-known Steve Mooney at Huddersfield. Nigeria's Olaren Waju Kayode signed by Manchester City, but immediately loaned to a Spanish side. What does that mean for Kayode? Plus, part two of our interview with Eno Ayong, the Cameroon midfielder who's played all across Europe. This week, he talks of how his faith helps him in difficult times. Then, even along the way, when it becomes difficult, you know you're not alone. You know he's with you. When you're when you're injured, he can be there to heal you. And when you feel discouraged, he can be there to comfort you. That's coming up later. But first, Morocco are hoping to become the second African country to host the FIFA World Cup after South Africa did it very successfully back in 2010. The Morocco Football Federation put in their bid for the 2026 World Cup ahead of the deadline, and they have just one rival. That's a joint bid from the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Now the 2026 World Cup will be the first 48-team edition, moving up from 32 teams, so it will be a huge event to organise. Now FIFA has a new rotational hosting policy, which means that Africa is one of four confederations that can bid to host the 2026 finals, as Europe and Asia are excluded as they host the next two editions. This is Morocco's fifth bid to stage the World Cup.、Uh, Salomon, do you think that they could potentially host the World Cup successfully?、Uh, without a doubt, I feel Morocco has the infrastructure. They have the logistical organization to be able to host a World Cup event, and they have hosted、uh, previous、uh, Africa Cup of Nations very well. I remember Morocco '88,、uh, which、uh, Nigeria played against Cameroon in the final. So Morocco is a very sporting nation with a lot of infrastructures and a lot of abilities, and and for them to try to to host it five times, you know, really showed that they they really want to host it.、Uh, so potentially, I definitely think Morocco has what it takes to host it, and I'm glad that、uh, even CAF,、uh, you know, has、uh, endorsed Morocco's candidacy,、uh, and the fact that FIFA is rotating this. Uh, through different nations and different football federations, I think it would、uh, make Morocco's opportunity and Morocco's、uh, bid、uh, a stronger bid. Okay, Salamis,、so、you think that they could do it successfully, but、uh, how do you see Morocco's chances of getting the 2026 World Cup? Only one opponent, but is sure to be a very well put together bid from the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Now, this is really going to be very interesting because. Uh, the last time Mexico hosted a World Cup was in 1986. We remember that when Diego Maradona was、um, finally crowned the best footballer in the world. And Canada is not a strong footballing nation, but、uh, United States. Last time in 1994, they hosted, and that was also an opportunity that Morocco bidded for, but they lost to the United States. And the United States had not hosted the World Cup. Uh, and no Central American country and none of the Concacaf、uh, countries have hosted any of the World Cups since 1994. And in Africa, we have had South Africa hosting the World Cup in 
2010. So now I feel that is going to take away from the beat of Morocco a little bit. And also another area is uh, this is a joint bid uh, by you know very strong countries, United States, Canada, and Mexico. By the fact that they are uh, they have decided to host it in in three different nations uh, sounds very attractive. You know, just so you know they're going to use the opportunity to help develop football in Canada, which is not really a strong footballing country. You know, the the joint bid is going to be a very strong bid against uh, Morocco, just being a sole country from Africa, uh, putting in their bid. So they, they really have to make their bid looks attract, look attractive. Uh, if not, it's really going to be very difficult for them. Well, we'll see if Morocco do succeed in their bid to host the 2026 World Cup, although I do think it is a bit of a long shot. Well, what an exciting start to the English Premier League last weekend with Manchester United, the most impressive of the top teams, beating West Ham 4-0. And a great start for Huddersfield, winning 3-0 away to Crystal Palace. There were two goals there for an African player that most of us probably hadn't heard of before. That's a Steve Mooney of Benin. Our European football expert Stuart Weir is with us from the UK. Uh, Stuart, who is Steve Mooney? Well, Steve Mooney has come from Montpellier in France, where he didn't really set the world alight. I mean, he played 37 times and scored 14 goals, but he was there for about five years, played a certain amount in the reserves. And to come to Huddersfield and to score two goals on his debut was really quite remarkable. One interesting thing I can tell you about him, Steve, is that last season he headed seven goals for Montpellier and only Bellotti of Turin headed more goals. So he's obviously a man we will expect to see more of in the air. Uh, Incidentally, I don't know whether you've picked up, Steve, that there's another African player at Huddersfield, Elias Kachunga from DR Congo. Now, he's in his second season at Huddersfield, having spent seven years previously in Germany. So Huddersfield, a club with a bit of African interest then. And Stuart, tell us a bit more about Huddersfield. They are a very, very old English club. Well, Steve, not a lot of people know this, but there are four clubs which have won the English Premier League or Division 1s it used to be three years in a row. Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United and, of course, Huddersfield Town. Now, Huddersfield Town did it 1923 to 1926. But it's still an achievement. Huddersfield is in the north of England, in Yorkshire. It's got a population of 160,000, so it's not a massive city. The manager is David Wagner, who is an American of German descent. He played 12 years in Germany, got eight caps for the USA, and he was manager of Borussia Dortmund's second team for four years when Huddersfield took him. Now, that was quite a surprising move, but it's worked out for them. The last time Huddersfield were in the top division of English football was 1972. And from 2000 to 2012, they were either in the third or fourth tier of English football. So it's been quite a massive movement and rise from them. They were promoted to the championship only in 2012 and got into the Premier League last year through the playoffs when they drew nil-nil with Reading and beat them 4-3 on penalties. Now, winning the first game is a great start for them, but... I think you have to say realistically they're among the favourites for relegation because the promoted clubs always are. It's great that they started with a win, but I think there'll be a lot of challenging games coming up. But let's hope they can have a good season. 
Sure. Now, a few weeks ago, we spoke to Nigeria's Olaren Waju Kayade, often known as Larry Kayade, who's been signed by Manchester City. Kayade was the top scorer in Austria's top flight last season, and he told us when we spoke to him recently that he was hoping for a big move. Maybe very soon. I hope very soon I will live there. Um, I'm watching and um, praying to God, maybe in England here or Germany <laughs> or France. So I think uh, probably uh, I will choose, I will sit down with my family and uh, choose the, best, uh, the better side. Now, Coyote, who's 24, has joined Man City on a four-year deal, but is being sent immediately on a season-long loan to newly promoted Spanish side Girona, along with four other City players. Uh, so, Stuart, what does it mean if a club signs you and loans you out straight away? This is becoming quite a modern phenomenon among the top teams. And, I mean, Chelsea, if you look at their website, lists 38 players who are currently out on loan. And I think it's a club thinking that a player has the potential, but that he's not good enough to go straight into the first team. So they have him if they want him to recall him. But they feel it's better for him to go to uh, another club and possibly even another country to get game time rather than to be sitting training but not playing very much if he stays with the team. Because obviously just taking Chelsea as an example, if you've got a first team squad of, I suppose, around 20 players and you've got another 38 then there's no way many of those 38 are going to get any game time. So send them out on loan, monitor them, see which of them do well, recall them, and they then come back in a stronger position to fight for a first-team place. And a team like Manchester City would be very similar to Chelsea in terms of the massive squad they've got, and they simply cannot accommodate every player. You might say that you're signing 10 players in the hope that one of them will really make it so there's quite a high wastage rate but that's just the way it is with the big clubs in English football at the moment Right so Nigeria's Olaren Waju Kayade not certain to play for Man City despite now being on their books and Stuart in the English Premier League two Africans scoring for Liverpool that was Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah while Egypt defender Ahmed Hegazi scored on his debut for West Brom he's a player on loan from the Cairo Giants Al Athli Well, Liverpool showed that they have not changed at all from last season, that they're a really exciting attacking team, but they cannot defend because having scored three goals at Watford, you'd expect them to win, but it was three all. Now, that Sadio Mane is scoring goals is no surprise to anyone. Now, Mohamed Salah, I'm sure, is just deliberately scoring because he knows that I questioned last week whether he would... uh, really make a bigger impact at Liverpool than he did at Chelsea. I'm delighted for him to see him getting an early goal. And uh, I may have to eat humble pie, as they say, as the season goes on. And a great start for Ahmed Higazi, scoring the only goal for West Brom. Now, he's had an interesting career, played for two clubs in Egypt. He was with Fiorentina in Italy for a period. Didn't make a great impact there. And let's see how he does at West Brom. Steve, I'm sure you'll remember this, but he is, in fact, the second Hegazi to play in English football. Ahmed was born in 1991, and the previous Egyptian-born Hegazi, who played for Fulham, was born in 1891. Now, there's a coincidence, isn't it? 
Wow, and that was Hussein Hegazi, who played for Fulham in 1911, becoming the first African player to play in England. And you got a bit of Premier League trivia for us there, Stuart. Steve, I don't know whether you've noticed that there have been three German managers in the Premier League: Jurgen Klopp, David Wagner at Huddersfield, and Felix Magath, who used to be at Fulham. And all of them wear glasses. Now, isn't that interesting? Chelsea seem to be setting a rather unwanted record because they have had a player sent off in three consecutive games: Victor Moses in the FA Cup final at the end of last season, Pedro in the Community Shield, and Gary Cahill and Cesc Fabregas in the opening league match against Burnley. Not a record, I think, that the club would be terribly keen to have. And just one or two other things which I think you need to know: poor old Lewis Dunk of Brighton scored an own goal on his Premier League debut, and in fact there have been seven other players who've done this, so he's in good company. Southampton failed to win at home on the opening day of the Premier League. Well, that's not surprising because the last ten times they've played at home on the opening day of the Premier League, they've drawn six and lost four. And finally, Kyle Walker of Tottenham has signed for Manchester City. But don't worry, Tottenham are replacing him with a young player called Kyle Walker Peters. What an amazing coincidence! Well, that is amazing. Thanks a lot to Stuart Weir in the UK. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, the second part of our interview with Cameroon's Eno Eyang, who played in France and England and is currently in Belgium. Well, you can download our app and listen to the show any time. To download it, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then you can listen to the show any time on the app and access past programs too in our archive. Also on our website, you can listen to the show. That's PlanetSportFootballAfrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at PlanetSportFA. And now we turn to social media. And last week we asked, who do you think will be the star African in the English Premier League this season? To Facebook first, and Chiso Mokay in Malawi says to me, "It'll be Victor Moses at Chelsea." By Usman Gay in the Gambia says, "I'll go for Mohamed Salah because of his pace and speed." And Kelvin Odo in Nigeria agrees, saying it will be Salah and Sadio Mane too at Liverpool. On WhatsApp, and Khalifa Sanyang in China agrees with Kelvin, saying, "I think it's going to be Mohamed Salah of Liverpool without a doubt." His pace is incredible, says Khalifa, and he's going to create and score a lot of goals this season. And watch out for Sadio Mane too. Stanley in Ghana also goes for the Egypt striker, saying, "I'll love to see Salah become the African player of the season." To Sierra Leone and Desmond Tunde Koka agrees, saying, "I honestly believe that Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane will be the two star players this season. I fully know there are others, but these are my two choices," says Desmond. And Jesse Rando, also in Sierra Leone, also goes for Sadio Mane. Gemo, who's originally from Cameroon and now living in the USA, agrees, saying, "I'll have to go with Liverpool's Mane if he can stay injury-free. He's very vital in his role," says Gemo, "and always has a huge impact when he's fit. You can tell his absence when he's not there." 
indeed. And uh, here's Lansana Barrow in the Gambia saying, I go for Sadio Mane. He has the experience above all others in the Premier League to be the star player this season. He performed well last season but was sidelined with injury a few times. But I'm sure things will be different this time, says Lansana. We always welcome your voice notes on WhatsApp. And here's an optimistic John in Ghana. I hope Andre Ayu will shine among all the African players in the EPL this season. It's a challenge for him since, I mean, Hernandez is in for West Ham. You know, he should be up and lift up his game every week, every day match that he will play. And if things doesn't go well for him, I'm taking Victor Wayama, who is in Tottenham, will deliver this season. I mean, these two players shine among all Africans in the EPL this season. I hope so. Thanks, John. Ebrima Cham in the Gambia says, Hello, Planet Sport Football Africa. I always enjoy your wonderful programme. Well, thank you for your kind words there, Ebrima. And Ebrima says there's only one man to look for in the English Premier League this season. That could be no other than the Ivory Coast rock in defence, Eric Bailly. Despite it being very rare for a defender to be recognised as the best player, this man can achieve his dream and follow the other legendary African top-class defenders like Nigeria's Taribo West, Celestine Babayaro and Cameroon's Rigobert Song, to name but a few. Ngan Demba Gassama, also in the Gambia, says it'll be Victor Moses because he's playing a big role in Conte's 3-4-3 formation. Amadou Torai in the Gambia says, I'll put my choice on the Nigerian wonder kid Kelechi Iheanacho. I know he'll have a great season with Leicester. Modu Pabi Baji in the Gambia thinks we should keep an eye out for Tottenham star Kenyan Victor Wanyama. And fellow Gambian Ebrima Conte agrees the Tottenham midfielder will make an impact this season. My African top star is going to be Sadio Mane, says Ebrima, but Victor Wanyama is a very good midfielder whose interceptions are very good and he'll be a strong contender. Sana Jaune looks to the Gunners for the player he's watching. I think if Mohamed Elneny is given a lot of chances at Arsenal, he'll be one of the African stars this season, says Sana. He has the potential and ability to deliver. Aliou Biconte in the Gambia also looks to Arsenal, but chooses their 21-year-old Nigerian striker. If Alex Iwobi is given more playing time, he'll be the best African player, says Aliou, because the lad has good talent and is very skillful. That's why I choose him ahead of the rest. And finally, the Ivorian four-time African Player of the Year at Manchester City gets the nod from Modu G.J. Colley in the Gambia. My African star is always Yaya Toure, says Modu. For sure he'll make it this time again. Well, thank you for all of those comments. Always great to hear your views. Uh, Solomon, a lot of Africans then to watch out for this season. Who do you think will shine the most? I would want to put my money on former Manchester City striker, uh, Kelechi Ehinacho, who is uh, signed for Leicester City. He has caught 21 goals in 64 games in all competitions since making his debut for Manchester City in 2015. And I feel moving to Leicester City would really expose him where he would get to play week in, week out. He's going to get a whole lot more opportunities. And this is when we are going to see if he's going to grab those opportunities, if he has grown enough, if he has gotten that experience uh, from Manchester City, that we're going to see the kind of goals that he's going to score. Definitely my money is going to be on Kelechi Ihinecho for Leicester City uh, this season. 
Well, OK, we'll see if you're right there, Solomon. And I'm certainly looking forward to Kelechi Iheanacho having a great season at Leicester. This week on What's Up and on Facebook, we're asking who is the greatest African to have played in the English Premier League? As the Premier League celebrated 25 years of existence in its current format this week, who would you say has been the best African ever to have played in the Premier League since its formation in 1992? Lots and lots of names to choose from. Tell us who you think has been the best African in the English Premier League. Uh, go on to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. And now to the second and final part of our interview with Eno Eyang, the Cameroon midfielder who's played for Ajax in the Netherlands, Fulham in the English Premier League and is currently in Belgium with Standard Liège, a club that he joined in 2014. Eno has been to the Africa Cup of Nations finals with Cameroon. He played more than 50 times for them. And in this part of the interview, Planet Sport Football Africa's Liam Flint spoke to Eno about his football and his faith. And first asked how his spell at Fulham was, where back in 2013 he played nine times for them in the English Premier League. Well, playing in the Premier League had always been a dream for me. And to see myself in the Premier League in the 2013 and being able to play against uh, Chelsea, play against Arsenal. And I used to watch them on TV and to be their life to play. For me, it was like a childhood uh, reality coming to pass. And um, being experiencing that and the atmosphere in the Premier League can be compared to any other. Uh, I've been in Italy, I've played in San Siro against Milan. There's a vibe in Champions League, but there's something very different about the Premier League. It can't really be explained to you. It cannot be explained to you. You really have to be there to play in the atmosphere in a Premier League competition to really understand it and feel it. And I'm sure it's the same thing the fans outside also feel it. It's just something special about being in the Premier League. And for me to have experienced it, it's unique. It's fascinating. There's so much in the atmosphere, the connection between the fans and the players. And just that that uh, hype being in the Premier League, there's a boost, there's, there's an atmosphere. So far, the best league in the world. Eyang, I know you're very outspoken <laughs> about your personal faith. How does your love for football yeah. compare with your love for Jesus? Well, anyway, there's no comparison. I cannot compare my love for football uh, with my love for Jesus. My love for Jesus is far above anything because... Um, Without Jesus, football would not exist. Uh, I remember some years ago when I was contemplating whether I'm going to be in football or not, when I really had to uh, understand why the Lord was calling me to play football. And then I read a verse of scripture in Colossians that said, all things were created by him and for him. So which means all things exist. Without him, nothing exists that exists. So even sports and football that is in sports exists for him. It's all for his glory. So my love for Jesus cannot be compared to my love for football. But as much as I can use football as an expression as my love for him in the way I play it, as an act of worship to Jesus, how I represent him, how I honor him, how I you know, carry out myself, how I shine my light in that milieu, then I'm expressing my love for him also to football. So football is, is, a, is a tool, it's a vehicle, it's a means by which even my love for Jesus can be expressed. 
So you say football is your way of worship. Is it important to you then to be an example to other people on the pitch and play football in the right way, which I'm sure must be difficult when you're a midfielder? Is it difficult to draw the line sometimes? No, I don't think it's difficult to draw the line. I think when you're in the game of football, it's a competitive game and the Lord is giving you those skills and uniqueness. Otherwise, I would have had the skills of a dribbler, of an attacker. I would still have to dribble people. So my responsibility in expressing that talent, if I do it less than I'm supposed to do, then I'm not honoring the one that's giving me the talent. So if I'm going to tackle, I'm going to tackle hard. If I'm going to dribble, I'm going to dribble swiftly. If I'm going to score, then I have to score hard. So in every expression I do, in my own role, whether it's as a midfielder, then I do it, knowing that I was given a talent and I have to be you know, excellent with that talent in whichever capacity that I can be of. So as a professional footballer, is it easy to stay close to Jesus through the big ups you get and the big downs of football? You get the trophies and success at one end, injury, failure at the other end. Is it easy to constantly depend on Jesus? Jesus himself never said it was easy. He said, in the world, you will have troubles. He said, but in me, you will have peace. So I believe as long as we're engaged in football and work and other things besides football, like your normal work, life, even family, there will always be challenges. There will be moments that you you will be happy, moments you'll be sad, moments you'll be sick, moments you'll be well. Like in sports, there are injuries, there are disappointments, there are losses, you win games. But in all these things, like I said, if you're focused in doing what you're doing is for one, is for him, then there's a sense of fulfillment knowing that you're not accepted by him, you're not loved by him because of your performance. Even though when you do that, you're accountable to him with the talent but he doesn't love you because of your performance. Your performance can never be enough for him to love you. So I would say it's really it's challenging to stay focused, but if you will trust in the Lord Jesus. Then even along the way, when it becomes difficult, you know you're not alone. You know he's with you. When you're, when you're injured, he can be there to heal you. And when you feel discouraged, he can be there to comfort you. It can be anything that you need him to be along the way. So he never promised us that things are going to be easy because we don't know him. But he promised to always be there with us, even in the toughest of moments. Finally, Ion, what can you see yourself doing? Let's look forward. Once you've hung up the boots, once you've had enough of football, what do you think is going to happen next? Have you got any inklings as to what you'd like to go into? Well, I'm very passionate about the youth, I'm very passionate about the next generation. I would love in the future to share my experience with them. Of course, my journey is a little bit special because if you're born in Europe, especially in the UK, there are a lot of things that you don't struggle with. You're born in them. For example, opportunities to train, opportunities to be in a club and have those things around without necessarily uh, trusting God for them. So you take those things for granted. And also... There was a way of, uh, I really want to, to be there to help the young people to see how blessed they are, how fortunate they are, and how they shouldn't take some of the things they have for granted. And much more also those back in Africa to be, uh, to be able to help them as well, talk to them, coach them. And I'm also very interested in relationships because I've seen it's one of the most plaguing things we're having in our generation and our time. And uh, relationships, being the family, being the bedrock or being the foundation from which a lot of things spring from, and the relationships are broken down, the walls are broken down, the constitution is destroyed, the values are being undermined, 
and we're having more and more distorted communities, distorted leaders, distorted laws because of the institution of the family. So I have a strong passion to see some of the values that God has given for the family to run by being restored because it's completely been distorted. And uh, things are going here. Why are we having very uh, disrespectful children these days because there's no foundational uh, values being instituted from the family? So it's something I'm passionate about, and I'm going to be doing a lot of projects in that line because I believe if you have a healthy family, you will have a healthy community. And a healthy community will have a healthy city and healthy nations that will produce a healthy continent, which in terms will spread throughout the world. Well, that's a man with great dreams. That's Cameroon's Eno Eyong, currently playing for Standard Liège in Belgium. He was talking to Liam Flint. Well, that's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and on WhatsApp, we're asking, who do you think is the greatest African to have played in the English Premier League? As the Premier League celebrated 25 years of existence in its current format this week, who do you say has been the best African ever in the past quarter of a century? Go onto our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. And from me, Steve Vickers in Harare from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.